Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Chris with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Michelle Tyvey with fintechpaymentscorp.com. Hi, Michelle. How's it going today? Hi, Chris. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah, we're glad that you're here. Michelle, tell us about your background. Sure. So I am uh, a recovering attorney, used to be a prosecutor way back when, and turned payments consultant uh, when I sort of married into the field. My husband, Scott Tivy, is a payments um, systems designer and consultant. He's been an expert in the field for about 20 years. So I came into it when we started our consulting firm in 2011, and um, we've been at it uh, pretty successfully since then. Well, very good. So um, tell us about FinTech Payments Corp and how it works. So FinTech Payments Corp works in the um, our, our basic mission is to upgrade payments processing systems in the card processing space. Um, Scott was involved with designing the very first payment systems that processed open-ended subscriptions billed to a credit card. And that was back in the very late 1990s, early 2000s, um, for a company called Synapse. And Synapse was um, run by internet visionaries uh, Jay Walker, who went on to found Priceline, and Michael Loeb. And so those guys had this idea, why couldn't you pay for subscriptions sort of like you pay for a utility. 
with one payment a month on your credit card. And then when you were done, just, you know, cancel. Because at that time, subscriptions were paid for uh, for a specific period, like a gym membership for 24 months or a magazine for 12 months. And so Scott was on the team that patented what's called the continuous service model. And sort of the rest is history, right? Because from that subscription um, model were built the recurring payments systems and the recurring payments business models that are so ubiquitous today, everything from Netflix to the Box of the Month Club um, to your streaming video services, those all are in existence um, because of the fact that you can have an an opportunity for continuous services and goods to be provided as long as that credit card approves. So, yeah, okay, cool. pay, so yeah, so the problem is though that that those systems haven't been updated since then, and so that's what we're setting out to do at FinTech Payments Corp. Okay, and what kind of updates are are you looking to make, or have you made along the way? Well, as consultants, merchants started coming to us because they were having a lot of problems um, that they couldn't solve. Right, they were having high chargebacks, they were ha- uh, having a lot of cards decline. Uh, and so as a result, they were getting a lot of transactions that were incomplete. And that's a problem for a merchant because if the transaction doesn't complete, the merchant doesn't get paid. And so as consultants, they were asking us, you know, can you help us figure this out? And because we designed the system, we have sort of a unique perspective on the data that can help get a transaction to approve. And so Scott designed a proprietary tool that he used as a consultant to gather the merchant's operational information. And he would put the merchant through this exercise and he would use that technology to create customized payment strategies. And when those customized strategies were employed, our merchants saw an increase in profitability of just under $2 billion since 2011. So can you give us kind of a, Scott, can you, real yeah. quick, can you give us an example of uh, maybe some of those customized payment strategies? Sure. So um, some of them are algorithms that are, um, that are designed around merchant information. So, for example, today, um, all merchants ha- are provided with the same payments processing across the board. It doesn't matter who your payments processor or, or acquiring bank is. Um, you're getting the same service as the next guy. And for every reason a card might decline, you're getting the same transaction. What we were able to do um, as consultants was take merchants' information, like what type of business do they have? Is it a subscription digital? Is it a subscription physical good, right? So is it something like Netflix or is it something where they're going to actually deliver a magazine to your doorstep? Or is it something like an um, Internet of Things, IoT, one-time payment to a card that will reoccur, but we don't know how frequently, right? It might not be every month. It might be, you know, once a week or twice a week, like an Uber, for example. And so when you take into account, sorry, so when you take into account the business model of the merchant, then you're able to know a lot more about how to actually process that transaction to be able to get that merchant more cards to approve. And that's what we're doing. We're looking at the merchants. Okay. Yeah, cool. So um, now I understand that, like before we talked um, in the interview, we were talking about payometry. 
and that's kind of your um, your next product. Can you talk to us more about that? Sure. So Ionetry basically took that tool that Scott used as consultant and automated it. So we saw that we had all this success for merchants, right? And our merchants were, you know, large enterprise merchants, insurance companies, magazine publishers, um, you know, Acne Medicine of the Month Club, those kinds of things. Um, and we said, well, let's see how the processors were doing. And it turns out that at the same time, the payments processors who weren't our clients also made about $106 million in additional revenue from using this technology when we were consultants. And so we said, you know, if processors did this and actually assisted merchants, um, if they actually use this data, and there are about 400 to 500 data points that Payometry looks at, we think that we can make the processors more revenue, we think we can make the merchants more profitability, and we can keep a continuous flow of goods and services while using data science and machine learning, which is something that's completely new to payments processing right now. Okay, so where are you in um, in the use of the platform? Is it is it out now, or is it still being developed? So we it, we're still in, um, in beta phase. Uh, the platform is in development, and we're finding partners who want to use it. We are talking to um, really really large. Uh, household name partners and some smaller uh, processors as well. The thing that's really interesting, I think, about it is there's been a lot of mergers and acquisitions in the payment space in the last few months. Um, there was a huge $12 billion merger uh, over the summer between WorldPay and Vantive. I don't know if you heard about it. In my in my circles, <laughs> it was very upending. Right, uh, it was a huge transaction in our world. Up until then, mergers and acquisitions and payments, you know, we're in the mid uh, $400 million range, high $300 million. So $12 billion was a huge, huge uh, merger between WorldPay and Vantive uh, last year over the summer was a $12 billion transaction. And it seems to uh, spur this new phase in payments where scale is being um, valued over innovation. And a lot of payments companies are sort of gobbling up little guys to be able to say, you know, we're bigger and we can offer a lot of different types of services. So they're bolting additional value-added services onto payments. Maybe they'll say, well, we connect with your back-end office provider, or we connect with your tax provider, or we connect with your customer acquisition provider, and that's because there's really no innovation in how the payments are actually being processed, right? So scale has taken over and innovation has sort of died. Um, and so we're partnering with companies that are really tech-focused and that are innovation-focused and that are looking to upgrade their legacy systems um, and use data science and machine learning. And that's, you know, it's in, in payments, that's rare because you're talking about banks uh, and you're talking about, you know, remo not removing the old rails, but you're talking about sort of making them newer and shinier. And so it's a special kind of company that we want to work with. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's very unique. It, and the mention of the, the legacy systems, it's an, it's an interesting play from, um, as you mentioned, the mergers of, um, you know, large companies are kind of 
getting that stronghold on sort of a legacy system. Um, while you know the newer tech companies are, are bringing in options that may not have been considered. Um, so it's interesting to see the, the pendulum kind of swing back and forth between uh, mergers and acquisitions and innovation. I, I totally agree. I was on a panel a few um, days ago about a payments company that you may have heard about in the news, Audion. And Audion mm-hmm. is based in the Netherlands. And they're, they're, they've been in the news lately because they just um, wrestled a huge client out of PayPal uh, and that was eBay. And that that's a, a perfect example. Um, Audion is um, innovative in the sense that its technology has one single point of integration, and that's very new in payments. Because, uh, and it's specifically because of all these mergers and acquisitions, there's multiple platforms in every, you know, in every offering that a merchant has to integrate with. So, you know, if you want to do mobile payments, there's one integration. If you want to do, you know, uh, internet payments, there's another integration. And if you want to do point of sale payments, there's a third integration. And so that's a good example of, you know, a fintech company that has risen because of innovation. What are some, uh, you mentioned this panel, what are some other interesting things that you, you discovered? So I think, you know, one of the things uh, that was really surprising to me um, is that merchants, and, you know, we talk to merchants as consultants, but um, guys who are working with merchants today to try and help them uh, further their business, you know, the people that are out in the trenches with merchants, it's so interesting to see how merchants really feel that they're just left out there in the cold. Um, you know, that they're not getting the kind of assistance that they need to really make their businesses profitable. And there are all these new business models that are rising up, but there's no innovation to meet them. And that really seems to be a a huge opportunity right now. What kind of, um, can you give a a specific specific example of some of the innovation that these uh, new business models are looking for? Yeah. So. as a matter of fact, you know, probably the biggest change that we're seeing in the last two years, and we're probably going to see more of it coming up, is the idea of business models that revolve around um, a stored credit card on file. So that could be anything from uh, order ahead, your Dunkin' Donuts, right, where you can use their app to order your coffee before you even leave your driveway and then just drive through and pick it up on your way. Um, I mentioned Uber, right? get in and out of the car and you never touched your wallet. Um, leveling up in a video game where your kid wants to buy more coins and the credit card is just stored in there. So, you know, there's all of these opportunities. Your Netflix, right? That's just a regular subscription. But if it didn't work and you couldn't watch Stranger Things, you know, or the next season <laughs> of whatever, right? Um, you know, you'd, you'd want to make sure you had it. So, you know, these business models, they're everywhere now. but the problem is, if that card doesn't approve, none of this stuff works. And so merchants are out there sort of, you know, on a limb trying these new things to get customers interested and to keep customers around. But the problem is, if I ordered that Dunkin' Donuts from my driveway and my card declined, when I get to Dunkin' Donuts, what's going to happen? And are they going to give me that coffee? Or and think about, you know, maybe collecting that money a little bit later down the road so that they don't lose me as a customer. Because if they say to me, you know, hey, Michelle, your $3.99 iced coffee declined this morning. Please put in a new payment method. 
I'm going to be like, I don't have time for that today. I'll just skip the coffee or maybe I'll just go to Starbucks instead. And they risk losing me. So there's a lot in play when you're talking about getting these payments to go through. And uh, I think that there's a real, you know, it's a real point of crisis for the card industry. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that. I'm I'm familiar with the uh, Starbucks uh, mobile ordering system, and I guess the the elegant solution in technology is when you you don't even know how it works. You just hit the button, or you you find the right option, and it just works. Uh, but frictionless, thinking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, frictionless. And and thinking about, um, well, whether or not my card's going to go through, you know, if that's not indicated in whatever you know the app or whatever format you're using. Um, that's something people don't really think about. Well, yeah, and here's another thing I'm sure you probably don't think about. There are literally hundreds of reasons a card could decline. And, you know, it's something that as a consumer, we don't think about at all. I mean, if you're online in Target and the guy in front of you's credit card declines, you know, you think, oh, my God, that deadbeat didn't pay his payment. <laughs> but right. that is just one of hundreds of reasons, everything from – you know, the card expired or it was stolen to maybe somebody fat fingered the numbers when they entered them in, you know, online. There's so many reasons that a card could decline. And, you know, a merchant's business is sort of poised on that precipice. Yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting problem to think about. So when I get back to uh, payometry, you mentioned there are a lot of uh, data points that you're you're pursuing in this. are there any particular ones that you're you're still looking at that maybe uh, maybe competitors are not quite seeing yet? If that makes sense? Yeah, it does. So any payments company who you talk to will say they use data analytics. They all will, and that's true. A lot of them do, um, but it's very different from what Payometry does. What payments companies are looking at now, first of all, is they're only looking at transactional information, card data, right? Um, when was the card charged, what time of day, if it approved, you know, for what dollar amount, um, numbers data, first of all. Second of all, they're only looking at data that's happened already. So it's retroactive data. They're going to tell a merchant, so last month, this is how many declines you had, and they all happened around this time of day, and they all happened in this city, and they were the Citibank or, you know, Wells Fargo, Visa or MasterCard. And so what they're doing is giving the merchant a snapshot of the past. And so what Payometry is doing is it's asking the merchant information about their business. We're saying to the merchant, so merchant, what's your cost of goods? And what is your price point? And do you provide your product before the card approves or after? And if you, um, if a card declines, could you wait a little longer to get paid for, your, for that product? Or do you absolutely have to get paid today? And that's operational information. It has to do with the with the business operations end of the company. And all of those values are obviously scored when they go into the system. But that's the kind of information that payments companies don't really care about, right? Because all they care about is numbers, bits and bytes. But when you take the merchant business model into consideration and you give them a strategy, now you're creating something that's proactive. And you're saying, okay, take all this information and here's how you're going to do it going forward. And so that's really the big difference. Yeah, that's a, that's very cool. So what do you think is on the horizon for the next 12 months with payometry? 
Well, we, um, we're going to be pitching at the ETA Transact. ETA is the Electronic Transactions Association um, Conference. It's a big, um, big conference for payments executives, and all of the banks and acquirers will be there. We're talking to a lot of private equity firms right now, which, you know, puts us in line with all the rest of the companies about, you know, looking where we want to head uh, down the road uh, for the next couple of months. We see payometry as something that can be applied in very customized ways for, for tons of different companies, right? We really believe that once you plug into our API, your processing, whether it's for subscription or for that reoccurring, you know, in-app payment that we talked about can be upgraded. So it could be used by a large merchant. Um, it could be used by the payments company itself. Um, and so, you know, we, we really think it, it depends on how the person wants, the company wants to use it. So we think it's going to be, um, we think it's going to be a big deal. Okay. Yeah. It definitely sounds like it. So what are some predictions you have, uh, for 2019 and beyond in, in the payments industry? So I think you're going to continue to see more large ticket mergers and acquisitions. Um, every com- payments company with any type of technology is running to private equity firms. Um, they're being courted uh, quite steadily um, because that technology has become very valuable ever since that merger we talked about at the beginning of the show. And I think yeah. that you'll continue to see, you know, companies sort of bolt more uh, you know, bolt onto each other until there are fewer uh, large acquirers available um, than there are right now. All right. Yeah, definitely an interesting outlook. So, what kind of um, what kind of customers are you looking to to gather or uh, utilize FinTech Payments Corp and Payometry? So, we're looking for um, tech forward companies, companies that are interested in innovating, companies that have sort of an agile, uh, uh, I don't know what, how to put it, an agile integration team. You know, we um, when you sit down and talk to a large bank or even a very large uh, fintech company, um, they, you know, the layers of in- integration, uh, of the layers it takes to get there can be so um, in- prohibitive that, uh, it, you, it makes you question whether or not it's really worth the time and trouble uh, or whether they're interested um, in really moving forward. And so, you know, a two or three year um, cycle before you get to move forward is sort of not what we're looking to do. So we're talking to younger companies, smaller companies, um, the kinds that, you know, really want to um, dedicate their products to innovation and dedicate their sales force to differentiation. Um, and um, we're hoping that once we do that, you know, then the, the bigger companies will sit up and take notice of what we're doing. Excellent. And then we'll have that, uh, that swinging back and forth on the, the pendulum of the, the payments um, programs. Um, right. Going, leaning, leaning to the innovation side. Right. Right. Let's hope so. <laughs> Indeed. So Michelle, where can people find out more about, um, about payometry and fintech payments. So uh, www.fintechpaymentscorp.com is our URL. We also have a company page on LinkedIn. And of course, um, you can reach me through my LinkedIn profile. Um, 
And we, you know, we're really happy to share our information. We we do live demos several times a week um, and demo the software to folks who might want to use it. And integration for merchants usually begins with uh, a large assessment of the overall payment strategy uh, from a consulting point of view, which uh, produces a uh, you know an optimi- payments optimization plan, uh, several dozens of pages of strategy. Uh, before you're onboarded onto the system, and um, similar similar for banks and acquirers. Okay, very good. Any final thoughts before we go today? Uh, I just want to say thanks for having me on. I think it was fun to talk about this stuff, and it's always fun to geek out (laughs) with somebody who's interested in the space. Agreed. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Chris. Michelle Terry with fintechpaymentscorp.com. And thank you for all of our listeners for tuning in to check out the Future Tech Podcast. We will see you here next time. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.